I'd like to join with the others uh, this morning, recognizing what a wonderful honor it is to be together, especially to bring glory to our, our Lord. To have this time of worship and devotion to Him is um, really, there's nothing to take its place. We're so, we're so uh, grateful and humbled uh, to have this time together and appreciate the time in worship now uh, to be able to study. Let's do just that. We're going to focus this morning on seeking wisdom from God. Seeking wisdom from God. How very pleased God was with Solomon. How very pleased God was with Solomon. When God asked Solomon, what would you have that I give unto you? And Solomon did not ask long life for himself. Solomon did not ask long life for himself. Solomon did not ask for great riches. Solomon did not ask that his enemies be defeated. He did not ask for the life of his enemies. But Solomon asked for a wise and understanding heart so that he may be able to govern people and treat people well and be be able to discern between the good and the bad. 1 Kings 3, 1 Kings 3, verses 9 through 11. And God is pleased with us when we seek wisdom from Him. We won't be able to touch on everything I'd love to touch on this morning in regards to wisdom from God. But we'll do what we can. We'll do what we can. So let's get started. Wisdom is the ability to know the source of true wisdom. This is huge. Wisdom is the ability to know the true source of true wisdom. Of course it's found in God. Notice in Romans 16.27 in your Bibles. You'll want to underline this. Don't just sit there. Don't just sit there. Romans 16.27. Okay. Paul is making a, a reference to, he's giving praise toward, notice what he says, Romans 16.27, the, the only wise God, to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ and amen. In other words, let this be. Let this never leave my mind and let this be. To the only wise God. Follow this up with Colossians chapter 2 in your Bibles. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 3 where Paul reminds the Christians in the city of Colossae. He reminds them that in Jesus Christ is found all the treasures of both knowledge and wisdom. In Jesus Christ it actually says is hidden. Is hidden all the treasures of both knowledge and wisdom. Notice that knowledge and wisdom from God is meant to be a treasure in our lives. A treasure above treasures in our lives. Notice he says, it is hidden. It is hidden. That's because men will not look for it. Men do not put a high priority on it. And so they think it's hidden. 
but actually it can be found in Jesus Christ. The true source of wisdom, of course, is God Almighty. Romans 11, 33 has this wonderful statement where Paul says, again, simply trying to bring praise to God, honor to God. Paul says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. How unsearchable, Romans eleven thirty three. How unsearchable are His judgments and His ways are past finding out. That tremendous, awesome verse tells us that there's no other place to go for wisdom other than God. James 3, verses 15 to 18 tells us that there is wisdom from below and it's devilish, but there's also the wisdom from above and it comes from God. Now specifically... Where do I go to get wisdom? First, I go to my knees. I go to my knees in prayer. James 1 verse 5 says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally. Liberally. You know, 1 Peter 3.12 says, God loves to hear from us in our prayers. His eyes upon the righteous and His ears are open unto our prayers. He loves to hear from us so that He can make sure that we have the wisdom that we need in this world. He gives it to us in a generous way, very generous way. He's the God that gives. So I go to my knees. Where do I go? I go to my Bible. I go to my Bible. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15. Chapter 3, 2 Timothy. Paul encourages that young man. He says, Now evil men be waxing worse and worse, growing and being deceived and deceiving others. But he says, You continue in the things which you have learned, you have been assured of, knowing, verse 15, 2 Timothy 3, knowing that from a child... Remembering that you have known the Holy Scriptures, even since you were a child, and that they are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Scriptures are able to make us wise unto salvation. Those are our two specific areas in which we go to gain wisdom. Prayer and Scripture. Now Proverbs 13.20 adds this. It says in Proverbs 13, verse 20, Those who would be wise will walk with the wise, but those who walk with fools will suffer for it. Those who walk with the wise shall be wise, but those that walk with fools will suffer for it. Now, on occasion it's good to gain wisdom from our brethren who are like-minded. They have a like, precious faith. We can gain wisdom in that way. But we make sure, though, that we are gaining wisdom from the right folks. Because those who are wise will be seeking Scripture. Those who are wise will be seeking God in prayer a good part of their time. Those who are wise will encourage you to do the same. Then on top of that, oftentimes those who are wise will will help, will encourage us 
to be wise, to follow God, to seek wisdom from Him. Let us remember that going to others and talking to them about life is not a substitute for prayer and Scripture. Prayer and Scripture are our two main areas, our two main sources to get in touch with the true source of wisdom, which is God Almighty. In our men's class on Monday evenings, we've been looking at the book of Joshua, learning great lessons from Joshua. Right after the victory over Jericho, you get get into uh, Joshua chapter 7, and they they meet uh, the people in Ai. And after the victory in Jericho, Ai should have been an, an easy victory, but God's people were run out of that city, lost lives. It was a great uh, distress for Joshua. Joshua fell down. We read about that in Joshua 7. He fell down on the ground and he prays, Lord, why did you bring us across this Jordan just so that we would be defeated in in the presence of the Amorites and Canaanites? Why did you do this? Well, the Lord had a message for Joshua. He said, get up. One thing is that there was sin in the camp, and it was specifically found in the tent of Achan. Achan had taken of the possessions that they were not to partake of, the devoted things they were not to partake of when they went in and overtook the city of Jericho. They were not supposed to take spoil for themselves. Achan did this and he hid it in his tent, and that was very displeasing to God, and that's one reason why they were defeated at Ai. But as we continue to read there in Joshua 7 and Joshua 8, we also notice that in chapter 7 where they were defeated, there wasn't near as much dependence upon God. When you open up chapter 8, it's all about what God is saying. God had a particular plan of action against Ai, and they're following that to a T, and then they walk away with a great victory over Ai in chapter 8. There's a great difference between Joshua of chapter 7 and Joshua chapter 8, he is back to depending upon the Lord. There's a great difference in the people of chapter 7 of Joshua and Joshua chapter 8. They are back to obeying exactly what God wanted to be done against Ai. And that's why they walked away with victory in chapter 8. You see, there's just no substitute to going to the true source of wisdom, which is God. Do you ever get a little distraught about all the foolishness around you? Is there, is there a way of, of summing that up? There is. Look at, look at Romans chapter 1. And look at this little statement in verse 28. Romans 1, 28. If you want to, and I know you, you're trying to do this, if you're like me, you're trying to get a hold of some of the foolishness going on in our own country, in the world right now. Would you like to know Would you like a place that could just help you uh, express your feelings? All right, well, look here in Romans 1 28. Since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. And then you can just read the rest of that paragraph, see the different things that started going on in their lives. 
But once a person or once a group of people decide not to acknowledge God, they didn't see fit to acknowledge God in their lives, then God just gives them up to a detestable, debased, foolish mind to do those things which they ought not. And so first, the wisdom, the ability to know the true source of wisdom. In the second place, what about the ability to detect and to identify the truth? The truth. What about the ability to detect and identify the truth of God? You see, we say it this way because there's such a, a blizzard. Have you ever been in a blizzard? When you hear from the folks in Minnesota, they say when a blizzard comes, you cannot see... You can't see your car in the driveway out your window. You can't see your mailbox. You certainly can't see across the street to your neighbor's house. You had just best stay where you are when it's a true blizzard. What we have in our world is a blizzard of lies. A blizzard of lies in our world. And the Lord can help us to see through these lies so that we can detect the truth. Romans 1 and verse 25, if you're still there, Romans chapter 1, verse 25. Some in Paul's day, they, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. That's what's happening. People exchange the truth of God for a lie. And then you see what happens in their worship and in their lives. Jesus says in John 8, 44, that, that Satan has been a liar and a murderer from the beginning and he is the father of lies and he does have many children. We are facing just a blizzard of lies. Revelation 21, verse 8 says that that lake of fire and brimstone must be a very big, wake, very big lake because of all that's going into that lake, that second death. The unbelieving, the fearful... The fearful, the unbelieving, the detestable, murderers, fornicators, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, and all liars will find their place, will find their part in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Not only do we face a blizzard of lies, we face a lot of gullible people. Gullible people. The scripture warns against this. 1 John 4 verse 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For there are many false prophets gone out into the world. We are in the testing business as servants of the Lord. We must test things. Notice how Paul puts it in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 21. He said, test all things and hold fast to that which is good. Prove all things, he says, and hold fast to that which is good. We are in the testing business. We must not be gullible. We cannot, we cannot believe everything that passes through underneath our eyes or goes into our ears we cannot believe everything that comes through. We cannot. Because there's such a web of lies in this world. 
How do I work through this blizzard of lies? Well, looking quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 2, 14 and 15, Paul helps us here. He says, do not strive about words to no profit. In other words, value, verse 14, 2 Timothy 2, value the words of God much more than, than the words of men. Don't, don't be spending all your time on the words of men. Spend most of your time on the words of God. Secondly, secondly in verse 15, he says, do your very best... To be a man approved unto God. Do your very best. Paul says it like this in Romans 1.15. He says, as much as in me is, I'm going to preach the gospel. You, you do your very best. Don't be hit and miss. Don't be here and there. You do your best in prayer. You do your best in Bible study. And, and that's the next thing Paul says there in 2 Timothy 2.15. He says, you study to show yourself approved. And you rightly divide the word of truth. You rightly divide the word of truth. But he says all this is to become a workman that needs not to be ashamed. So notice, I mentioned quickly there four things. Had to do it fast. First, value the words of God more than words of men. Then secondly, do your very best. Give your 120% to being approved unto God. 110%. 120%. You don't leave anything on the out. You give it all. Give it your all. And then thirdly, you rightly divide the word of truth. You be in the truth. You seek, you seek wisdom from uh, the truth. And then he says you become a workman, a worker, a doer of that word. This is very, very important. It, to become a workman. This is, the, this is the reason for Bible study. This is the reason for learning. Is to be a doer of the word. Like James says in James 1, and, and, and 22. Be you doers of the word and not hearers only. And, and didn't Jesus say this is the big difference between the wise man and the foolish man in Matthew 7, 24-27? What it is, the wise man hears the sayings of Jesus and he does them. He does them in his life. He will be likened unto a man who built his house upon the rock. But the man who would... Hear the sayings of Christ and, and then does not do them. He's likened to a man who built his house upon the sand. You see. Being a doer. Folks, here's the key idea. We're guided in life not just by the knowledge that we know that's in the Bible, but we are guided in life also by what the Bible, what God would have us to do in our life. What God would have us to do in our lives is what helps us make the decisions that we make. It helps us become who we're supposed to be before God. Not just, not just that there are things in the Bible to know, but the doing of that, the bringing of this out from the, the pages into our hearts and our very activities and decisions, this is what brings us wisdom, what brings us true wisdom. I've used this example lately, but I just love it. In Acts 4, 19 and 20, Peter and John both being told, don't you go back out and preach in this name, this name of Jesus anymore. And Peter responds, said, we cannot but speak of the things which we have seen and heard. Now notice, this, these words of Peter is very... Peter and John and the others were witnesses to what they had seen and heard. From Jesus. 
which had filled their, their minds with knowledge. But Peter was not going to stop there. In Peter's mind, to please the Lord, he just couldn't have what he had seen and heard in his heart. He had to speak it. And nothing was going to keep him from speaking it. It was the doing of the Word that was guiding his life. Not just the, the knowledge that could be had. Okay. The wise men came from the east, Matthew 2 and verse 1, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Now, we would have never read about those wise men had they just seen the star and become knowledgeable of a very special person being born. But rather we read about them because they, they saw the star and they come to worship the Lord. They come to worship Him. It wasn't just the knowledge they had, but it was the doing something with that knowledge that guided their decisions, that caused them to make that long journey. Okay. If we want true wisdom, we also will be doers of the Word. We will let the, what God expects us to do the numerous things that God expects us to do that come out of this will, those are the things, not what the world is saying. These are the things that guides our decisions. These are the things that guides our hearts. These are the things that become our priorities. So it's the ability to detect and identify the truth. And then... What about the ability to choose good over evil and right over wrong? Well, Hebrews 5 mentions this ability. Hebrews 5, 12 to 14, where the apostle says that we need to be skillful in the word of righteousness so that we can become mature. Mature, not just children, but mature. And so that we will have the powers of discernment to be able to distinguish between the good and and the evil. You see, it starts with the Word of God, doesn't it? Paul says in Romans 12 and verse 9 that we, to, we are to abhor that which is evil, abhor it, and cleave to that which is good. We are surrounded in a, by a world that not only does not know right from wrong, good from evil, but they are glad to have it that way. They're glad to have it that way. They are afraid of good and evil. They are afraid to settle on something that's right. Isaiah gives warning to this in Isaiah 5 and verse 20. Woe to them that put good for evil and evil for good. That put light for darkness and darkness for light. That put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them. Those who relish in the idea of there being no right, no wrong. It's all about whatever your desire is. Those are the ones that Isaiah is warning there's coming a day of condemnation for you. Let me mention just one big thing that will cloud our judgment sometimes. And that is emotions. Our emotions often will cloud our judgments. Okay, we know this, but we must be reminded of it. Jeremiah 17 verse 9 Jeremiah says, the heart is deceitful above all things. It is desperately wicked. Who can know it? It just tells us you cannot trust 
Your emotions cannot do it. Our emotions must be educated by the Word of God. Must be guided by the Word of God. Unguided emotions. The strongest, most sentimental feelings left unguided are a great danger in this world. The strongest sentimental feelings left unguided will lead us to condemnation before God. Our emotions must be educated by God. Notice what Paul says in Philippians 1 and verse 9 as he prays for the Philippians. Philippians 1 verse 9, he says, I pray that your love, here's an emotion, that your love may abound more and more in all knowledge, here it is, in all knowledge and discernment, that you may be able to approve those things which are excellent. Our emotions must be educated, must be grounded upon, grounded in and and founded upon uh, the Word of God. No matter what it is I'm feeling, no matter what the circumstances are that causes me to feel this way, there will always be things that are right with God in His Word, and all thing, always be things that are wrong in God's sight found in His Word. And nothing changes that, and we must be grounded in that so that we can have the proper emotions. Yes, God must rule over our feelings. He must rule over our emotions. Let me give you quickly the example of Paul. I'm impressed with Paul's statements in Philippians 3. Uh, I think it's along about verse verse 5. He's actually just going back through his background and talking about the things he gave up for Christ. But notice he says in Philippians 3 and verse 5, he says, "I, I was of the people of Israel. I was circumcised the eighth day. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisee. In other words, Paul's saying, I was totally enmeshed in my family's religion. I was zealous toward this. Paul said, when he came to the truth in Christ, regardless of all the emotions that would be tied in to him being part of a very close Jewish culture, yet he was glad to give those things up because of the treasure that's found in Christ. This is the very reason why we caution, we caution young people about who they date and who they end up getting married to. Because emotions bring attachment. And attachment brings a confused mind where oftentimes emotions take the place of sound Bible teaching. Emotions cloud our judgments to be able to tell what is right and what is wrong. Finally this morning, what about the ability to see the wisdom of the cross? That's where we want to go to. And you remember the Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 1 and 21, I believe it is. He says, The word of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved, it's the power of God. To us who are called, to us who are saved, 
It's the power of God. It's not foolishness. It's the wisdom of God. We're going to be heading toward the Lord's Supper here in a, in a moment. It's good for us to go ahead and start thinking about the cross. What, what in your mind is so wise about the cross? Is it not the plan of God? In His great love where He wants to be able to bring us to a relationship with Him, a close walk with Him, and yet He could not do it except that He sent His only Son to die in our place and for His only Son's blood to cleanse us from our sins so that the Lord can have that walk with us and we can have that walk with Him. The plan of God in itself is so very wise and we will be studying this until the day we die because it is so deep and profound and wise. What about, what about the assurance of forgiveness that God provides us? It's not based on me. It's not based on you. It's not based on my goodness that I'm forgiven, but based on what Jesus did for us and for me on the cross is where I can have hope of forgiveness and hope of eternal life. It's there. You see how wise it is? You see how God brings us that assurance of forgiveness? And what about the tremendous ability of God that we see in the cross? His ability... I asked the class this morning, and Ken and I were back with the teenagers. I asked them to try to picture what Jesus' body must have looked like by the time He died. Probably not even recognizable. And yet He walked out of that tomb on that first day of the week. He did. Look what God can do. God took the worst thing that could ever be seen and turned it into the greatest thing that could ever be thought of. And that's what God does in life. You see the wisdom of the cross? A lot of times when things look its worst is when God is about to step in and do some marvelous things. And what about the key to life? Don't we see the key to living in the cross? Then we see God's wisdom because the key to living is to try to be like Christ, to give up ourselves, to deny ourselves, and to serve others and sacrifice for others. That is the key to joy, it's the key to life. Can we help you this morning? That's why we're here as a family of God to grow in knowledge, to seek the wisdom of God, and to help each other. There's no other place to go. We are sinners. And the arms of Christ are wide open for us. It is true. It is true. When you picture that cross, you have to picture Jesus' arms going out. And in a sense, He's pointing to the past. And He's saying, I can forgive all of that for you. And He's pointing to the future. And He's saying, I can walk with you, help you to grow help you to come home to me. There's no greater blessing, no greater treasure than these things. Seeking true wisdom, can we help you with any spiritual need this morning? Won't you please make that known right now as we stand together, as we sing, Brother Paul.